All right. So this week we are watching the 1963 classic Tom Jones, a British uh, comedy of sorts. And uh, so we thought we'd talk about our favorite British comedies. And Jonathan, so you don't get any of your answers stolen, you want to go first? <laughs> oh, man, I made a list just in case I did. <laughs> OK, let's make Zach go first. Then. Yeah, let's make Zach go first. I want to <laughs> see how many of mine he hits. OK, well. You know, something I was looking at some lists compared, you know, the list of things I'd watched versus um, lists of things that are considered classics and best just to make sure I hit things that I, I knew I wanted to talk about. And the thing I realized is there are a lot that I actually need to watch. I was surprised, um, like with Edgar Wright, to be honest, I've seen Shaun of the Dead, but I haven't seen uh, Hot Fuzz or what? Or, <laughs> I, oh, I, know. Wow. I, I, I have Hot. it. And I need Hot to watch is the Hot Fuzz is the best one. Okay. Yes. And I think World's End is incredible. I like okay. World's End, but I think it's the weakest. Well, I, I need to watch though too. Those I both. think it I think it's the weakest, but I still give it like an A. Like Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So uh what I've got on here, uh gotta mention the Martin McDonough movies. Um in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths in particular are things that Paul kind of introduced to me. I, I love my I love my playwrights turned filmmakers. Yeah, they're they're so good, dark and funny. And Bruce um, was one I wanted to like more than I actually did. But yeah, Seven I, Psychopaths was so fucking good. Good, good. Yes. Um, feel feel free to chime in, Tim. Uh, I love that trio. Uh, I was just about to rebuy them. They're they're hilarious. Mob. Somebody brought up earlier and the uh, Lady Killers. In the 50s. Oh, nice. Films. Yes. Um, I I just have Guy Ritchie's name here. I won't name any specific titles because I'm sure other people will talk about him. Um, somebody I really need to dig into is Peter Sellers, and, and we'll talk mm. more about him in a you know a couple of weeks here on the show. Um, just a, a kind of a flat mention to Richard Curtis. His movies aren't really always funny, but they've got funny parts to them that are so good. And then my last thing. Just to touch on Monty Python, I kind of had a, a rocky relationship with Monty Python that maybe I'll get into more later. But uh, if I have to pick a specific movie, I'm going to go with Life of Brian. Nice. That's my list. All right. Yep. So yeah. I went more specific, but yeah. I did limit myself. So like when it came to Monty Python, I went Meaning of Life. The Meaning of Life was the one that felt more Flying Circus than the rest of them. Mm. So I feel like Flying Circus was where Monty Python was at its peak. Um, yeah, as for the Eggard Wright, yeah, hot fuzz. Come on, that, that that movie is just phenomenal. It and then it flips the script on you and goes, Hey, we're gonna make this even better. Yeah, I, um, I own it, so I need to watch it. No, yeah, oh, dude, go, seriously, go throw like, it in when we're done recording. You're yeah, done. like I do, I will sit and watch it with you if I could. <laughs> the third like the millionth time. darker. It's pretty dark. Yeah. And that that's the one with Billy Whitelaw, right? And the crowd of old British actors. I love that one. I, yeah, I get where they go bar hopping. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's that I love that film. Yep. Um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is always mm-hmm. I mean amazing. Every version I, I love. The, yep. the radio broadcast, the movie, the the miniseries. It's all yep. good. Um and I went with also Love Actually is one of my favorite british comedies even though it kind of teeters and you know i'm still yeah. can't get over alan rickman um sure. cheating bastard yeah and about a boy about a boy is the only hugh grant movie that i actually enjoy <laughs> well you just mentioned love actually 
Yeah, but I know Hugh it's Grant's not a, a part of it. Right. It's not a Hugh Grant vehicle. I get it. <laughs> Although yeah. as a kid, I, for some strange reason, I loved Nine Months. I don't know why. I think it was the scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a wild film. Right? I think it's just the scene where they beat up Barney or like the Barney equivalent. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Robin Williams is pretty good in that film. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my list. Tim, you want to throw Very out nice. some uh, throw out some favorites there? Uh, have you seen Lair of the White Worm? No, I have not. Lair uh, that actually, it has Hugh Grant in it, which is what made me think of it. Uh, if you can get the right DVD copy, uh, because the audio is horrible on the original, it's a hilarious uh, horror comedy. Oh my uh, God! This Amanda Donahoe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great, and in, anything by Russell, uh, what's his face, uh, the director, is classic. Hmm. Uh, okay. Ken Russell. Jotting that uh, it's down. It's hilarious. I think of others. Uh, well, the Ely mystery or the Ealing comedies from the fifties are classic. Uh, just just to bring it up real quick, Lair of the White Worm is on Tubi and Vudu for free. Oh, cool! With ads. Yeah. And it's, it's got Peter Capaldi in it, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. To be. All right. Anything else, Tim? I think that's all for now. Okay. Uh, um, I don't know if we'll be talking about this film next week or not, but I am a big fan of uh, the Beatles film Hard Day's Night. Ooh. It is, it is my favorite Beatles album. Mm-hmm. I I prefer their, uh, their R&B pop stuff to their yep. experimental stuff later on. Okay. Uh, just because, you know, give me give me three chords and some heart any day. Uh, help is uh, also help is also punk. really fun. Huh? A true punk. Three true. power chords and some heart. That's all you need. <laughs> That's all yeah, you seriously. need. Um help help is also a really fun film. Um have you seen Sing Street? No. I think everybody here would really appreciate the film Sing Street. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of the director's name. He did like a series of films that are all John Carney. John Carney did a series of films that are all really good. Um, get to him. Uh, he started with Once, which is a kind of a dramedy that uh, it's about a couple of Irish singers and oh, Broadway the play based. The song that won an Oscar. Yeah, yep. yeah, and yep. uh, got a Broadway play based off of it, which. Speaking of Doctor Who, uh, Rory from Doctor Who was in the right. Broadway show. Nice. Oh, wow. Uh, he did Begin Again, which is also really good, but I I hesitate to call that a British comedy because it's all American actors. Yeah. Um, uh, and then another film in the vein of his work is a film called Blinded by the Light, which uh, was a very personal film for me about a young Indian boy discovering the music of Bruce Springsteen in... Uh, Margaret, oh, wow. Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher's uh, uh, 80s Britain. That yeah. was one that I really meant to see. Oh, yeah, I, it was just like a year or two ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I, yeah, I it, it was. It, it made my top 10. I, I absolutely loved it. I, cr- yeah. I cried like a baby during it. Because okay. I think it was like that movie, and there was another one about the dude who woke up and the Beatles weren't a thing. Yesterday. Yesterday, which, which came was, out at the same time written by richard curtis and directed by danny boyle and is not great oh for, for those two <laughs> names being attached to it yeah I'm very sad. yeah uh and then i guess i'd be remiss if i talked about british comedies and i didn't bring up the paddington films no i guess the only reason why i didn't say it was because I was like let's give it to paul 
which which Jonathan, you liked Paddington too. That's another Hugh Grant movie. And he is the best thing about that movie too. <laughs> now, what sucks too is I didn't hate Notting Hill either. <laughs> Notting Hill is delightful. I love Richard yeah. Curtis. Yeah. Um uh, and, and then Mr. Bean. Okay. Let's let's say Mr. Bean and uh then let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about a movie. Okay. beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul Workman. i'm jonathan pierce i'm zach mccoy and joining us today is my good friend tim miller say hello tim hi thanks for having me thanks for coming my pleasure and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar worsty podcast a show where we discuss the oscar winners throughout history and determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what film are we watching this week zachary we are watching Tom Jones, the story of a charming rascal bastard and his shenanigans amongst the British aristocracy, yeah. especially with their women. Succinct. Body. <laughs> is this everybody's first time? Yes. No. Yes. Also, no. I'll, I'll go first, Tim, real quick. Uh, I caught this, I think, on IFC mm -hmm. uh, back like 15 years ago when Alan Cumming had a show on IFC where he was just introducing movies where I also caught uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, oh, nice. one of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> Tim, please tell us about your history with this film. Uh, I've been seeing this uh, since the late 60s when I was just a little kid. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but it would have been at the theaters roughly a few years after it came out. Oh, wow. uh, and watching it ever since, it's really, really grown on me. I think it's okay. one of the most beautiful films ever made. Okay. Nice. nice. Excellent. Well, shall we get into an Oscar breakdown? Well, now it's time for breakdown. Okay. It is a dreary Monday, April 13th, 1964. Again, I don't know what the weather was like. <laughs> it was a downpour. <laughs> um. I, I mostly go with Dreary because this is the uh, the first Oscars in the wake of the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. uh, it would have been great. So uh, if it's not Dreary in the weather, it is Dreary. The yeah. heart of the nation. Yeah. Very soggy. Uh, as the cut track from Stephen Sondheim's Assassins said, something just broke. Uh, sorry, that's my favorite musical. Uh, we are still at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in Santa Monica, California. Our host tonight is Oscar winner Jack Lemon. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Unfortunately, not two-time Oscar winner because he did not win for the apartment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, our most nominated film of the night is Tom Jones at 10. Our most awarded films of the night are Tom Jones and Cleopatra, the most expensive film ever made. At the time, mm -hmm. at forty-four million dollars. God, I'm gonna go do that math real quick, or have yeah. someone will do oh, that. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> forty-four million in 1964, three, uh, 1963. 1963 worth today. 
Um, three hundred and seventy-seven million, roughly. So it would still probably be close to the most expensive film ever made. Close to. Uh, Justice League is probably currently the most expensive film ever made due to all the reshoots and uh, <laughs> Snyder cutting. Yeah, good point. Snyder Cleopatra was amazingly huge production, but not very interesting. I, I unfortunately did not get to watch much this week, but we'll Skip go into it. that later. <laughs> all right. So Tom Jones wins Best Picture over Elia Kazan's America, America, Cleopatra, how the West is won and Lilies of the Field. Uh, Tony Richardson takes home Best Director, beating out Federico Fellini for eight and a half. Sidney wow. uh, Poitier wins Best Actor, making him the first Black actor to win an acting award, let alone the Best Acting Award. The the top Best Actor not supporting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Beautiful man. Beautiful man. An incredible achievement that will not be matched again until 2001. Damn. We will get back to that. Sheesh. Yeah. All right. Best actress goes to Patrice o- uh, Patricia Neal. I don't know why I was about to say <laughs> Patrice O'Neill. Because that was <laughs> a stand-up comedian. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Um, for HUD, uh, best supporting actor goes to Melvin Douglas for HUD, uh, beating out Hugh Griffith playing Squire Western in Tom Jones. Uh, best Supporting Actress goes to Margaret Rutherford for the VIPs, beating out Diane Clanto, Edith Evans, and Joyce Redman all for Tom Jones. Hmm. One and only time that three women have been nominated for the same film for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, and Tom Jones ties Peyton Place for the most acting nominations to not win. Uh, best Story and Screenplay written directly for the screen goes to How the West is Won, beating out Frederico Fellini's Eight and a Half. Uh, Best screenplay based on material from another medium goes to Tom Jones, John Osborne picking up the Oscar, adapting the history of Tom Jones of Foundling by Henry Fielding. (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. A youngling. Best foreign language feature goes to Frederico Fellini's eight and a half. Raise the roof. Well-deserved win there. Mm-hmm. But if I wasn't trying to stay next to my mic at the moment, I'd pull out the Criterion copy. Yes. Okay. Best documentary feature goes to Robert Frost, A Lover's Quarrel with the World. Uh, best documentary short subject goes to Chagall. Best live action short subject goes to An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Pretty well known. Best short subject cartoons brings us to our podcast within a podcast, Walt Disney Oscar Watch. Oh, ah. what was Walt that Disney? one? That <laughs> 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 did a great Mickey. No, that was Jonathan. He did a really good one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Was well, it last I mean, week you gave us Goofy? What? Yeah, he was a good yuck, and I was expecting it again, and now we wow. got Paul. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was making getting choked on the side. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Great subject for a movie on the phone. I, I always, I always suspected Mickey was a dumb. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's obvious. All right. Um, Walt Disney Oscar watch. Walt Disney. Does not get on nominated this year. Oh <gasps> my! Wow. Uh, let me get a computer that works. Kind of prime Disney era. 
Yeah, we're we're kind of we're kind of ramping down from the prime Disney era. Oh, okay. We Ooh. had one year where he was nominated six times and took home four. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, I'm he trying to only think. he only lost the other two because he lost them to himself. Amazing! <laughs> it's wow, incredible. Um, see, so even have a feature film in '63. Oh, Sword in the Stone. That's is that Disney? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that was the Disney one. Um, so this is the first time since 1940. This is the first time since 1940 he has not been nominated, and he only wasn't nominated in 1940 because. They were busy releasing Fantasia. Mm, that's and, right. Um, what was uh, the other one that was 1940? Dumbo? Sounds right. Or was it Cinderella? Pinocchio was Pinocchio. 1940. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Pinocchio. Thank you. So uh, he just doesn't grab any nominations that year because of that. Being busy. Yeah. Uh, saying, <laughs> I have two feature length films to be uh, promoted. I don't have time for this short animation horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> So two two full decades of Walt Disney just gobbling up awards nominations, over pretty amazing achievement. Yeah, starting to get a little misty eyed here. <laughs> it's going to be over soon, at least. Yeah, we are we are we are kind of winding down here. So <laughs> Walt Disney with all of your Academy Awards that you've won so far. So what did win, Paul? Uh, the Critic, <laughs> which <laughs> was. A Mel Brooks uh, cartoon where he created and narrated that one. Him and really? uh, Ernest Pintoff. Oh, nice. Yep. I, was that among his earliest things? 63? Uh, I was saying, I have to assume because Producers is his first film that he writes and directs, and that comes out in 69. Okay. So yeah. if, any, if anything, he's pre, maybe pre-Get Smart at this point. Sounds about very right. early. He's probably working on like Sid Caesar's My Show of Shows or. Yeah. Because the producers was 68. 68. Sorry. I said 69. Yeah. Nice. Because <laughs> nice. I'm 12. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Gotta get it in. So moving on. Best music score substantially original. I don't know <laughs> what word I just said there. And I apologize. State. Oh, well. Uh, I need to go back and buttercream that. Yeah. Um, Tom Jones wins best original score. Okay. Uh, best score adaptation or treatment goes to Irma LaDuce or Andre Previn. Uh, best song, Call Me Irresponsible from Papa's Delicate Condition. <laughs> A great show. Great show. That I've never seen. Uh, best sound effects goes to It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Oh, so yeah. I think I have invoked the name of many times on this show. <laughs> Uh, best sound goes to How the West Was Won. Best art direction, black and white, goes to America, America. Best art direction, color, goes to Cleopatra, beating out Tom Jones. Uh, best cinematography, black and white, goes to HUD. Best cinematography, color, goes to Cleopatra, beating out It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Uh, best costume design, black and white, goes to Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half. Oh, yeah. Uh, best costume design, color, goes to Cleopatra. Best film editing goes to How the West Was Won. And best special effects uh, goes to Cleopatra. I think I neglected to mention that this was the first year of sound effects. At least I thought it was. No, maybe that's next year. Hmm. Well, if sound effects is this year, then it's not next year. Because sound effects is in this year. 
Okay, so this is the first year that sound effects is a category, and it went to It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Nice. So, all right. Uh, I remember the slide whistle being very big in that one. Yeah. Uh, we have no uh, special awards given out. We have no um, Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award, but the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial, Memorial Award goes to Sam Spiegel, who was the producer of On the Waterfront, Bridge on the River Kwai, and Lawrence of Arabia. Quite a career, sir. Wow. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, sir. Indeed. All right. Well, let's talk about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, I think for the second guest in a row, I'm about to piss somebody off. <laughs> <laughs> this movie did not deserve a single one of these awards, in my opinion. That's horseshit. Oh, sorry. I think <laughs> this movie was, I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying this was a poorly made movie that wow. <laughs> mm, like the story was funny ish. Okay, cool. But again, this being an adapted screenplay, um, I hate breaking the fourth wall I love with it. a passion. I hate the fourth wall, so fuck that fourth wall. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, I don't see what the Academy saw at all. I'm pretty sure that uh, the cameraman had Parkinson's. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, I, yeah, I, I'm very confused by that comment. Go on. The, the 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 shaky cam was so bad. It it was it was whenever it needed to be frenetic and it worked really well in those scenes. But go on. The random transitions throughout the film when you had the circle swipe at one point that <laughs> didn't make sense. It was whimsical and fun. But go on. I, <laughs> breaking the third wall or breaking the fourth wall is in the book. Uh, okay, it's a very tongue in cheek thing. Uh, satires. Sure. And knowing that does help the so and so that lets me look past the breaking the fourth wall part. It's really just the bad movie making that's the issue. Uh, Content uh, I I yeah. I can get past, but I think this was bad movie making. That's that's so wild. Because I'm, <laughs> go on, Zach. Well, I'm glad um, that I <laughs> when um, Tim came on at, at the beginning it was saying that know his history with the movie and that you know that he really enjoyed it it's like oh crap i'm, I'm gonna yep. <laughs> i don't want to be yeah. a, a, a dick because i do not like this movie but paul i'm glad that you seem <sighs> to be arguing That's... against jonathan so we're not getting <laughs> up on tim I, <laughs> I i i was so excited i was so excited for everybody to watch this movie because it's <laughs> such an incredible comedy and <sighs> such a beautiful piece of filmmaking that I, I'm so I, confused right now. Lowest I, common denominator on a lot of the comedy. Go, go, Tim. I do know what you, part of the problem. I was raised in Canada in the '60s, which was very English. Mm. Uh, so I have an English background, uh, and to people currently, it cannot appear anything but kind of weird. The harpsichord, all the uh, weird effects, uh, the winks to the camera. Um, but they're, a, I, I think they're kind of a good imitation of the book, a cinematic literary uh, technique. That's yeah. I, I haven't read the book. Like uh, Jonathan says that explains some of the things. Um, yeah. for, for me watching the movie, a lot of it was just uncomfortable and weird, which I can kind of appreciate. I can, I can see a lot of things that would influence movies down the road that I'm like this type of comedy or this type of, uh, frenetic editing yeah. um 
Yeah, I don't know if some of the scenes kind of went over my head. Like the hunting scene just it made me so, oh my God. so it, uneasy. It, it, I, and that's oh where God, the sound good. editing was so terrible. I, too. I hate the hunting scene. <laughs> it's it, 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 uh, it's uh, Gainsborough and Constable are a great place to look because I think they took decoration from old paintings. Yeah, and, and on top of that, you, you get this idea that Tom Jones is this bastard who's being essentially shunned from society, a society that'll pull him in as long as he's entertaining to them and not trying to overstep his boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And the, 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 the woman that he thinks he gets pregnant at the beginning of the film <laughs> is being outcast and shunned as yeah. she's coming out of a church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, yeah. And, and the hunting scene's supposed to kind of mirror that kind of attitude. Exactly. Where, yeah. where Tom brutality, yeah, where Tom is is being kicked out of a society that is cruel and brutal yeah. and thinks they're above him, but they're just disgusting people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you it, even it see comes, it comes across. I get it. And, yeah, and you even see it in like the scene where um, Sophia's father is talking about like marrying her off as he's like shoving just shredded turkey in his face and and talking with his mouthful like <laughs> these aren't. They think they're high class and they deserve to shun these people, but they're no better than them. And the right. hunting scene is yeah. everything just put into a physical form. And, oh, I love that. One of the greatest things is they show uh, riding right through the house, the, the land of uh, peasants. And that was still going on in the 70s. Uh, uh, hunts had uh, trespass rights over everything. Uh, it was cannibalism. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. But again, the issue is not the content. You bring up the hunting scene and I go, I wanted to turn my headphones off with the sound editing of that one. Like you get all of these noises and it it almost becomes just too much. Like it's just this auditory overload. I guess that's without a soundtrack, even in the background. Mm -hmm. And, And I can get like, you can make that a thing where if you're making this kind of chaos, that being the thing. But to me, it just didn't sound good. And then you get the food flirt scene. <laughs> the first time in the whole movie where they take their time to do something. Everything else is just like, and then when you get to this scene. Yeah, and, and it's so, like, I can't stand the sound of lips <laughs> smacking together while people are eating. And I get this scene that only gets a little bit grosser for about a minute, if that, when you figure out who she is. And I'm just, this is, there's nothing about this that makes me comfortable. And I don't know if that's what they're going for, Yeah, but it just, oh. And and this is, this is the problem we're having is that you're bringing up all these points that are the point. Well, sure. And and like I said, it may be their intention. But we just didn't enjoy it. it. But yeah, I just did. (laughs) Cool. I get it. Thanks. Move along. But if it, but if it happens in an Abrams and Zucker film. You'd be fine with it. <sighs> if this if this was a scene from Airplane, you'd think it's one of the most genius comedic moments. I don't know. Cinema. I think I would call it out during those. But well, this is my problem that I have, I think, with this movie over everything else. This is the first time or not the first time, but this is one of the few times where comedy is recognized by the Academy. Comedy gets shit on so much by the Academy because it has a problem with being topical or of its time. Comedy does evolve. And the few times you get the Academy to look at comedy and I go, this is what I get. 
why is this what you picked when we there was so much more that you could have seen and recognized i'm getting fart jokes literal fart jokes and I, it, it pisses me off i struggled um i maybe it's the fact that the movie's so brilliant and i just didn't get it but some of the stuff <laughs> that <laughs> like the sudden death of uh <laughs> Biffle's mother or Biffle's mother like that that whole scene with the the speeding up the horse and then they just suddenly on the side yeah. of the road. like is this yeah. supposed to be funny because I'm I feel like I'm going to laugh but it's horrible yeah I I, I don't know how to feel through most no of no it's it's dark humor very dark yeah and, 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 I, and dark humor is great give me dark humor I don't know what you're trying to do this entire movie by telling me like the comedy just didn't feel funny and it could have just been thinking outside of the box comedy which you know i love my stoner comedy tell me what's funny right in front of my face but at the same time this just the entire time didn't feel like it knew what it wanted to be oh it knows exactly what it wants to be you then, don't know what it's supposed no, to be it's so the here's the thing if that's <laughs> its intention and it did it and it succeeded i i will applaud it i don't have to like it right that's fine but i just I worry sometimes that the Academy loves this era. These, the, the period pieces. Yeah. These period pieces that they just think everything looks cool or it's literally the same people that they've frozen once a year from this era that vote on these. But I, I just, I don't understand it. And it, I don't know. I, yeah, it tastes, it's, you know, there's the matter of yeah. technicalities, like what you can appreciate, but then there's taste. Sure. And then and, and that's the thing is I can generally get behind that. Uh, you know, what was it? Uh, West Side Story was one of those ones where I appreciate West Side Story for what it is. Personally, not a fan, mm -hmm. but I recognize it's a good movie. This, I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm not seeing anything about it. I think it. I know what would be most helpful. This. I think I know what you might find most helpful, Jonathan. What's that? Uh, which is uh, take a look at his movies when you're able uh, before this, Tony Richardson's. Okay. Uh, the one before which I've seen was called, he was known for his gritty, gritty realism, uh, modern day working class movies like uh, uh, Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, uh, which was absolutely flat, see what you see. You know, no, no camera trickery. It was all just see what you get. Uh, mm -hmm. So you see a huge flip in his style here. Um, and I guess I, I can see what you're saying. This sort of comedy doesn't translate as well as some others. So, sure. And, and British comedy for me has always been hit or miss to begin with. That's kind of how I am too. So it could yeah. be a cultural thing. Here, last thing I'll kind of touch on um, and let uh, the fans of the film speak a little more, but funny uh a quote from tony richardson himself I, I was reading a little bit about the background of the movie and, and the editing and some of the people who were on scene felt like the movie had been over edited and tony richardson said himself he was dissatisfied with the final product he felt the movie was kind of incomplete and botched in much of its execution he's not knocking his own success everybody should have it but whenever someone gushes to him about Tom Jones, he always cringes a little inside. That was a quote from his autobiography. Um, I, I feel like it was over edited. It feels like there's like four different movies going on here. And again, maybe that's the point. And I just, it didn't, I didn't 
click for me. That's what I have to say. All right. So let's hear from the other side. Paul, why do you like this movie so much? Because it's great. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm always a fan of social commentary. I, I pretty much stick on the British side of comedy growing up on Monty Python. Like, yeah. My father introduced me to Monty Python when I was way too young to have watched oh, same. Monty oh, Python. Yeah. And, and that was just where my humor continued to lie for pretty much the rest of my life. And I mean, watching this, when I say like 15 years ago or so, I could see the genesis of Monty Python. I can. I oh, can oh, absolutely. That, that yeah, 100 um, percent. And then as, as we get deeper into the 60s, you start seeing a lot of like the new Hollywood style ripping a lot from this, too. Like this, this sets up so much and it does so much. And I was giggling and laughing just the entire way through mm. uh, it. It was the kind of dark I enjoy. It really pointed out the meaninglessness of society and the abruptness of everything around us. And it spoke to me on, on a very anarchic level that I guess. If... I, I, so the, the problem that I also have with this movie is it makes me wonder if this is one of those movies where the people who made it or the person who wrote it really, we got everything at face value and that the people that are enjoying it the most are the ones who read deeper than they truly intended, which, you know, cool if you do, but I, maybe yeah. I, I just, it's hard to tell with comedy sometimes. Like maybe there wasn't a social commentary. Maybe it really was just, Hey, we want no, to, there's, yeah, there's, there's absolutely a social commentary. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It's mostly <laughs> social commentary. There it, to to deny it a social commentary is just trying to make it fit into your box of comedy and not. I would say it's a social commentary first before comedy. Mm -hmm. Okay, almost because sure. um, I mean, as a story, all I saw was, and this is just once again being the filthy casual that I am, a guy who really just lucks into a bunch of stuff and pays for that luck at times. So, like a true neutral character. Who didn't deserve the girl because anytime he comes across another chick, he's gonna bang her too. Yeah, but at, at the same time, like the society around him is telling him he doesn't deserve the girl yeah. and tearing her away from him. So, like, by the time he yeah. sleeps with, with the woman in the tavern, he, he doesn't think he's ever gonna see Sophia again. So, why sure. shouldn't he sleep with her? Sure. I can see that being a, a combination of his, uh, his, humble origins and his earnestness uh, clashing with his class upbringing, telling him he deserves to do whatever he wants. But then yeah. his humbleness is, you know, his true feelings and heart. Um, yeah. I, I see the, you know, the class dis discussion and the um, social commentary going there. Um, <laughs> well, hearing uh, I, Zach talk about uh, Tony Richardson having second thoughts. I, I, I think the book is one of the most well-plotted uh, novels in the history of them, of novels. And uh, the movie can't duplicate it, all of that. Uh, but uh, it does have a very chaotic feel during the hunt scene and other times. Uh, but the shock at the end when you realize, I mean, it has a huge uh, well-written play kind of payoff at the end. Yeah. But it's all class-based. Even then, it's not happy for the, you know, for anybody who's not in the upper class. Uh, he just happens to have an upper class 
parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a critique of the whole system. I will say that um, I am always a fan of a uh, strong ending, and despite what I didn't care for in the rest of the movie, I did like the ending. The twist was a good twist. I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, but it's it's a twist that is pretty well telegraphed from the opening scene. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Which we haven't even talked about how brilliant the silent film opening scene is. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like all great novels. The whole thing is contained in the first paragraph in, in uh, microcosm. Hmm. And then the book expands on it. I know I keep talking about how good the book is. And you're well, talking well, about that's the, the thing, though. Like it, the issue that I have is just not the content. It's at right. all the content itself. I mean, I like I said at the beginning, I don't dis like I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Um, I just don't get what the Academy saw as this being a Academy Award winning movie. I am curious. Have there had there been really big uh, period pieces in color until now? Well, we I just got we just got Lawrence of Arabia the year before. So the year before. I think um, historical stuff was basically coming into you get uh, you kind of yeah you get a uh, Gone with the Wind which you know is a sweeping epic um, yeah. with giant which I guess is yeah. a little less Great of a period piece. Of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it well, he, he said in he said in color. Oh, in color. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. True. True. Ben Hur, uh, but that's not that kind of period. Um, yeah, the first maybe seventeen uh, hundreds kind of. But so even the color thing, like I found the colors dull. Yeah. Like I'm not expecting gone with the wind type colors. Like I'm not expecting that, but I just don't see. And I'm, I'm honest. I'm honestly curious if it was desaturated because they're mostly using, um, they're mostly using, um, natural light Mm. instead of using like lighting sources kind of like gone with the wind would uh they're not shooting it on technicolor so it's going to be a little bit duller than that and i mean i don't know how well most restorations went on this so we could have lost some color along the way but i think for what it is it is a vibrant enough film and it's it it looks like it's been shot pretty pretty cheap for the most part because yeah, I mean, yeah, you that. shoot you shoot on what you can afford, and when you're shooting on film, and really there was a huge uh, financing issue with the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had to go to somebody else midstream. Uh, his studio died as a result, uh, and to me, I guess uh, part of the thing is I've been with the movie so long; uh, it seems appropriate to England, uh, which is notoriously. Uh, overcast most of the time anyway mm-hmm. yeah sure I'm trying to think of other stuff that might take into account some of the film-based issues that you have you know uh, and i'm gonna say a lot of it is the editing i think for the most yeah. part uh certain uh cut in choices like let's go back to the hanging scene where after he's cut down you get this chaos yeah and you look at how you get these kind of action shots sort of where it's like two seconds of this random thing happening, two seconds of this other random thing happening. And it makes me question like, all right, what you're trying to show me is the chaos that's going on right now. But I don't understand why these particular actions are going on. Why am I, why are you showing me a dude drinking out of a jug for a second and a half? Why are you showing me this kid? I think I have your answer. 
All right, go ahead. It's it's because it's based on paintings, complicated village scenes. Okay, uh, sure. He's trying to do what a lot of uh, people had to get out of them to live in that time. Know what it was to live there, not just what stories were told, uh, but to feel like we're there. Um, sure. And to me, like the fact that they're riding these big uh, big horses, which are not typical riding horses, uh, the the fact that like the old squire pulls a girl over as they're getting ready for the hunt. Uh, it's supposed to give us a very uh, Hobart is one of the painters I have in mind too. Just yeah. absolute chaos. Uh, it seems very true to the art that was going on at the top in the 1700s. Sure. And, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, that does kind of put that into a better perspective for me because I do see that, it, you know, yeah. I just don't think it works because yeah. it's not something that you see throughout the entirety of the film. All I got was you're trying to show chaos, mm -hmm. but I don't see these particular actions happening in particular in this setting. Like, all right, I get a whole bunch of people were around a hanging. This is what they did. This is what they, you know, something out of the blue happened. That's unexpected. That would cause some kind of chaos, but I'm not seeing people chasing the guy that should have been hang. I'm getting random actions, but yeah, as you said, getting those paintings basically, which is yeah. explains at least the quick edits that yeah. explains that for me. And that, that I do appreciate. I, I have to um, just mention some of Hugh Griffin's scenes are so <laughs> random and like, <laughs> When he's sitting there and like, and then just splashes his drink on the dog's face. As I just, Is that Squire Weston? Squire Weston, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I had to just, I had to pause the movie and I was like, wait a minute. And I, have, I'm like, Caitlin, watch this one scene of this movie that you haven't seen anything else of. She's like, what the fuck are you watching? Leanne, Leanne watched this whole thing with me and she, she pointed out that exact same thing. She was like, what? I believe that, ang that actor was drunk through the entire production. I, I'm not. Uh, shocked to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like when he tackles that one woman into the haystack, and yep, yep. I also like the 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 scene of pocket sand that um <laughs> <laughs> that Tom Jones uses to get away from the soldier. Yeah, yeah. the the one that uh threw the the cup at his head. <laughs> He's yeah. dead. You've killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite dead yet. <laughs> um, I will say also the sword fights were pretty good. I do enjoy yeah. a good sword fight choreography. And I mean, you know, not, we've seen some bad, we've seen some really bad ones. It's, it's not a Olivier's Hamlet good, but mm. Oh God. Yeah. That's sword yeah. Fight. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to, um, Mrs. Water, uh, hot redhead. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> yes. Oh, Zach, there was a British film in 1955 called the man who loved redheads. I was, I was shocked. You didn't bring it up. Uh, oh, <laughs> I've I've seen uh, covers of like I think it was a pulp novel too. I, I've got uh, some of the, the pictures of that saved in my phone. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a movie too. Apparently. <laughs> well, does anybody have any additional notes they'd like to add on? No, no, no. I, it's a pretty good cover, I think. The... Yeah, I I really appreciate the background, Tim, because it, it, while I may not sit down and want to watch the movie anytime again soon. I, I really appreciate what they were trying to do. And, and Paul, I, I can understand that like the anarchy sense, like the whole movie is anarchy and it's like, uh, fuck the aristocracy. It's like that. That's the, the point of it, I guess. And, and I can, I can get it even though I didn't necessarily enjoy the ride. 
I would be very curious yeah. to hear if you guys enjoyed it more on further watching. If you watch, I, I may give it another shot at another point, but, and, and like I said, it's not that I, I didn't enjoy, I sat through it at no point was I bored through this yeah. movie. I just, it was hard for me to get past a lot of the technical stuff. Yeah. It's kind of, I think part of it's too, it's hard coming off of Lawrence Arabia where you have such uh, well, right? a, a paced, <laughs> a paced and beautiful film. Yeah. Lawrence, now, Lawrence, yeah. Of, Lawrence of Arabia is a technical masterpiece. It is gorgeous. It is, yeah. it is obviously David Lean's like shining achievement. Absolutely. Uh, though I, I do prefer on the waterfront more. Mm-hmm. I did it again. Bridge yes! on the River Kwai. I can my brain will not process things properly for some reason. Bridge on the River Kwai. I like it more. Um where this is like rule book, what rule book? Yeah. No, and and, and, and I can appreciate that. And I really wish I could appreciate it more with this movie, but it just felt watching it for the first time without any explanation. Because I think, as you, you Timmy said, watch it again, maybe with this understanding, it might appreciate it more. But without that, all I'm seeing is shaky cam, random transitions, quick edits, and just dull colors. So I think yeah. maybe, yeah, if I go back and look at it, I might be able to see these things. But like yeah. on a first watch, I, mm-hmm. I just don't see what the Academy saw at all. Yeah. And I got to say, I loved Albert Finney. It's my first time seeing him as mm. a young actor, you know know him obviously for like big fish and aaron brockovich and stuff like that so seeing him as this it it was it was a delight oh and he's he's just beautiful in this oh god he's beautiful to look at (laughs) all right so uh (laughs) yes oh yeah all right so paul i'm going to go ahead and assume this being a british film this is not going to be in the library of congress this is not in the national film registry all right so that's going to bring us to Hold on, you don't want to hear what did get in the film? Yeah, he's going to tell No, fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's hear what we got. Because I'm very excited about this this class of films. Uh, Oh, you know what? I'm going to... Can I guess Cleopatra when that got in? Oh, please do guess. 99. It's not in. What the fuck, really? (laughs) (laughs) Really? It is not in the National Film Registry. Wow. Okay. All right, well, give us what we got. All right. I'm going to give you this list and I want you to guess which got in the earliest. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So we got America, America, the Elijah Kazan film, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, The Cool World, not to be mistaken <laughs> with Cool World, <laughs> uh, Crisis, Behind a Presidential Commitment, a documentary, HUD, Lilies of the Field, The uh, Nutty Professor, so got a little bit of Jerry Lewis in there, uh, the Pink Panther. Ah, uh, yeah. Shock Corridor and a home film that some of you may know as the Subruder film. Oh, geez. Yeah. By the yeah, way, Pink is that, Panther is that it? It's good British comedy. That's it. That that's the nineteen sixty three class. Yeah. Are you telling me the Great Escape is not in there? Did that come out in sixty three? I saw it on a list of Great Escape, nineteen sixty three. Holy shit. Is that not what? Was it in the same Oscars? I it didn't get nominated for anything. What a crime! Mm. Um, Day, July fourth. Was it not a? Well, okay, hold on, real quick. So no, it was that, nominated for film editing. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. but I don't know if it was this year. So film editing. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Great Escape. Wow. Okay. Wow. So what? What got in the earliest? 
What got in the earliest? There are two films that got in the same year. Uh, but I just want you to guess which one you think got in the earliest. I'm going to go with The Nutty Professor. I'm going to go with, I'm going to cheat and do two. If the, the two, the same year of the earliest or no, just two, two, two got in the same year as the earliest year that they got in. My pick would be the, the, is it the Bruder or the Gruder? The <laughs> Pruder. It's the Pruder film and Lilies of the Field. Those are my two picks. Uh, Lilies of the Field, I'm going to guess. Oh, okay. So, first off, Zach, you got one of the two. Okay. The the Pruder film got in 1994. <laughs> it's the earliest of 1963's films to get in. The other film that got in in 1994 was The Cool World. <laughs> <laughs> Lilies of the Field did not get in until 2020. What the fuck? Ah. Yeah. Jonathan, your guess, the nutty professor got it in 2004. Fair. <laughs> Which makes sense, but just, just a weird year. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is a Pruder film. Like I'm actually shocked that didn't go in first class. Uh, yeah. I would, act, I would actually need to see a breakdown to see when home, home movies like that started getting in. Cause we've had a bunch of them on here, but I haven't really paid attention to the years they went in. Yeah. Right. Okay, so that's our uh, that's okay. our national film registry breakdown. Thank All right. You. Well, let's go ahead and ask our worsty judgments. So, Tim, we'll start with you. So, what we're going to do is ask you a couple questions here. First one's going to be: Did this movie deserve Best Picture? I believe it did. Okay. Defend. It's a brilliant recreation of the time and of a classic uh, satiric novel. Uh, it pulls off the most complex plotting on film uh, relatively easily. Um, and I think there are scenes you can point to that just are unbelievably beautiful. Okay. The courtship right. scene, for instance. Sure. All right. Uh, Zach? So... I have to say that I do not think it deserved Best Picture. I um, I feel overall it's kind of a weak year for Best Picture nominees. Um, I really enjoyed Lilies of the Field, and it's it's a very good film, but it's kind of light. It didn't have a whole lot of tense confrontation. I appreciated it, and I liked it, but I feel like with all the the awards, the eight and a half got it deserved a Best Picture nomination. Mm-hmm. And I'm stunned that The Great Escape is so overlooked the year it came out. I mean, obviously, time has reflected on it kindly. Same with Eight and a Half. Um, I'm not a huge fan of The Birds, but I, I like I like it better than this movie. If I had to give it to a, a movie, though, I would it would either be Eight and a Half or The Great Escape. Um, those are my those are my 63 films. I'm going to buy Great Escape Criterion Edition next month when they have their sale. Nice. Um, so having really not seen any other 63 movies except for the Pink Panther, um, I still say no. I don't, you know, getting all of this explanation, understanding a bit more, but I don't see the Academy getting that kind of, at that time, that kind of explanation. Yeah, they may watch the film a few more times, more than just once with the screeners and everything, but I, I don't see them being able to see those things when they see it for best picture at the time. I I don't know what they were looking at 
I don't know why they chose this movie. And if they if they were able to catch everything you guys caught, then which which they probably did. <laughs> it's it's possible. It's I, possible. I I think it's more than possible. I I just don't Maybe personally see it. And, and there's that too. But I've just seen the Academy fumble a few times before. These are the same people that you know put the greatest show on earth as the best picture. So I. Well, there there's your period piece, Gigi, kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I see the Pink Panther as British comedy that I enjoy. I don't see this as British comedy that I enjoy, but as a film, I just don't understand what the Academy was seeing at the time. So, yep. yeah. Paul? Um, all right. So uh, my life caught up to me this week, and I didn't get to watch the Best Picture nominees like I normally do. Um, so of the five that were nominated, the only other one I have seen before was Lilies of the Field, um, which which is a fine movie. I enjoy that film, but as Zach said, it, it's it's nice and it's twee, and in a time of great civil rights uh, movements, it felt like that white safe pick of a film mm-hmm. to, to pick yeah. to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because, you know, Raisin in the Sun doesn't get right. nominated a couple of years before, and that's just one of the greatest yeah. films of all it time. So, you know, this one's, it's a good film. I, I enjoy it, but I, I understand where it sits in this pantheon. Um, now they're bringing up Great Escape brings up three films that I mad didn't, uh, that aren't in the National Film Registry that I guess I would have at least liked to have seen Best Picture nominations for Great Escape. One of my all-time favorites, um, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, is one of the funniest films ever made. It's three hours long and it's very and I could have used at least three more hours of it. Uh, it is incredibly beautiful. It is everything that uh, around the world in 80 days wants to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the film that I am the most shocked, I guess time has been a little bit kinder to it than, um, than the Academy was at this time, was Stanley Don and Charade. This film rules. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. It is fun. It is beautiful. Uh, and it is probably my favorite film from 1963. I love this movie a lot. That being said, I absolutely think Tom Jones deserves Best Picture. It is a changing of the guard, and it is beautiful class commentary. And it took it took the filmmaking rule book and said, "Okay, so what?" I love it. Okay, you sir are just well, an agent of chaos. <laughs> hey, hey, at this point. The the chaos is well deserved. This, like I said, this. Sure. When we when we start getting into the new Hollywood stuff, you'll start seeing where this filmmaking really, really takes yes, hold. Exactly. Cool. Okay. All right. So that being said, uh, Tim, is this the worst best picture so far? Picture? I do not believe so. Uh, well, kind of assumed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> So as our guest, we do like to ask, what is the worst best picture for you? The worst best picture for me is Dances yeah. with Wolves. <laughs> if that's allowed at this hey, point. No, no, that's, oh, that's oh, yeah. fine. You know, oh, yeah. I despise that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, that, maybe, that's fair. Maybe we'll ask you back to watch Dances with Wolves. I would <laughs> love to. <laughs> I'll take the opposite approach. Very nice. That's gonna be that. That'll be exciting. I have the, Dances with Wolves is one of those movies where it makes me wonder what's been used more, Pygmalion 
or uh, Pocahontas. Yeah. yeah. Ah. I mean, Dances with Wolves was first, so that's fair. Pocahontas is Dances with Wolves. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zach, is this the worst best picture? Uh, let's see. I'll leave you hanging here for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Chad, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a dated reference at all. <laughs> Kids listening. What is he talking about? Are the kids <laughs> listening? What kids? Hey, kids. How's it going? Um, also, fuck you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Freaking Zoomers. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it's not the worst. But for me, this is going to shake up our uh, list, Paul. You know, we don't have extreme differences on our rankings yet. But it, it's a bottom five for me, I have to say. It's a bottom Ooh. five. Oof. So breaks but, my heart, but my my two stinkers are still greatest show is the worst for me, and then Gigi's a close second worst for me. Those are my worst so far. Yep, thank goodness so, for those. <laughs> yeah, thank God <laughs> for animal abuse and child grooming. <laughs> I'm gonna take that last remark back. <laughs> I'm backpedaling. No, you're fine. Hey. Um. At least it at least it isn't Dan Schneider with his feet. Oh God. <laughs> God. Okay, going on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so I'm also with Zach here. No, I don't think it's the worst best picture. Uh, it's not my bottom five, though, because again, my issues are technical issues, not content. The content yeah. is there. I kind of enjoyed the content off and on. Yeah. Um I laughed a few times. And yeah, I, I felt like some of the comedy was and, and this is just because of my lack of classic knowledge. And, you know, I do see the the Monty Python stuff in there. Like this is kind of where it all begins. I do see a lot of that in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like it personally, but I can't fault the content for me not liking that and for others to like that. I, I think that's fine. Yeah. It's just, once again, the, the technical things, especially like you had said, coming off of Lawrence of Arabia, you know, you go from this beautiful Epic to just chaos. And chaos. as Paul said, throwing the book out the chaos. window. And, and usually I can enjoy that. I just don't think it was done well for me. So yep. uh, definitely bottom 10, but I don't think as low as bottom five. So Paul, is this the worst best picture? Not by a long shot. And I love this film. I think it's a positively lovely romp. Had me giggling from start to finish. Showed it to my wife. She was also very giggly. And I I finished the film by saying, I, I really hope you enjoyed that. She said, I did. Good. I loved it. So um, I was excited about that. Uh, I have it sitting on my list at number 16, right under an American in Paris, right above Rebecca. Fair enough. And out of 36 films, there are 20 films that I like least less. Than this. All right. All right. Well, Tim, thank you very much for uh, joining us here today. We super appreciate you. Yeah, uh, it was fun. Good. Uh, I'll come back for dances with Will. <laughs> oh, please. I, you know what? I look forward to that because I'd like a guest to come in that didn't like a movie. Like that's something we're we're missing right now. So that, that yeah. I think that'll be a good time. Yeah, yeah I need uh, a guy for that one. All right. Well, did you have anything you'd like to plug? Any social medias out there that you'd like people to hear? I don't. <laughs> that's just fine. Leave good. the man Get alone. to yourselves. 
Yeah. <gasps> stay the fuck away. All you yeah. children listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stay away from him and fuck you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitters, on the Twitch, and on the TikToks at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where are you? You can find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, spelled X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, where I post my short room movie reviews. Um, TikTok at House Havoc. And uh, I'm on Letterboxd. I can't remember my... I was, you search by my name there, too. So, Paul? Paul? Man, you can find me on... Oh, where do I go? Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films I watch and a list of the best picture winners in order at Father of the Fear across all platforms. I'm blanking out tonight. I, okay. Uh, Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are celebrating Big Willie Weekend. Big Willie Weekend! Big Willie <laughs> And you, our lovely listeners, you voted back in the March Madness bracket, and the Will Smith movie that won is Men in Black. We'll be watching Men in Black, (laughs) (laughs) which you can find on Hulu, uh, Philo, Sling TV, Stars, Voodoo, and YouTube. Uh, Do you got to have that Stars subscription for the Hulu? Yeah, probably. Ah, boo, Ernst. But hopefully everybody has a nice beautiful copy on their shelf i have a dvd copy with barry sonnenfeld and tommy lee jones doing commentary in the mystery science theater 3000 show oh that's amazing (laughs) yeah nice i think i'll some of the content mm, not too bad for kids i think i might let my boys watch it yeah Yeah, i think it's safe nothing a little couple sexy jokes but nothing crazy yeah so yeah all right well, we would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at The Oscarwisty Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. The rhythm of It's not unusual to be found in the algorithm. For Jonathan, Zach, Tim Miller, and Tom Jones, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs> <laughs>